Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast live from Wimbledon on the penultimate day of the Championships where among others, and we will talk about all of them, but Marketa Vondrosheva is a Wimbledon champion. Those Czech lefties, eh? They're pretty pesky (laughs) around these parts, aren't they? She is the first ever unseeded women's Wimbledon champion. She was the first unseeded finalist since Billie Jean King, but of course that year... Billie Jean didn't win the title, so Vondrosheva takes it in two straight sets over Ange Jabeur, and there is so, so much to talk about. Matt, you're going to have to do most of the talking for the first five minutes, because David was <laughs> David was in a commentary booth, honestly, about 90 seconds ago. Yeah. It's some effort, mm. David. Well, I, I, I feel like fitness is, is a question of recovery speed. And so, uh, yeah, you carry on. (laughs) Thoughts and feelings, Matt? Oh, my thoughts and feelings. So many. So, so many. That is, I think, one of the most emotional tennis matches I've I've ever watched, actually, and been been so affected by. You know, I I really, really want to make sure in this podcast that we give Marketa Vondrosheva her due. And she played an incredible tournament. Her story is unbelievable, having only won two matches on grass before this grass court season. She's now the Wimbledon champion. It is mind-blowing, and she played a great, great final. But I must say I'm very, very sad for Ons Jabeur. I found the final an, an incredibly tough watch. And, yeah, I, I had to go for a little walk around the grounds after it had finished just to, just to sort of clear my head a little bit it was it was really affecting yeah we've been um we've been a bit anxious about this one actually I mean not not actually anxious but just how to express the things we want and need to say about Ons Jabeur without taking anything away from Marquette of Andrejeva who played a fantastic match today and I honestly think against a lot of other opponents Ons Jabeur would have found a way to do what she did against Sabalenka and Rabakina in the previous two rounds but she didn't today quite frankly and there are a lot of reasons why she didn't and how she didn't but let's talk about Marketa Vondrosheva first who she didn't blink did not blink I mean she played in Osterberg's words in the press conference not that long ago she played the right match mm-hmm. today yeah I, I think the only time she blinked really was in the first two games and she went two love down and Jabir had a point for three love. And I I thought at that stage, I didn't really get to see the first two games, but I saw the third and I saw the fourth. And then there was the, and one of them was the really long one, several juices. Um, and I felt as though that could have been the difference between it tail spinning away for Vondrosova and Jabir just having a, having a great time. I really felt that was a possibility at that point, that she could just think, I've cracked this, I feel great, and just gone downhill and, and Vondrosova could have struggled to get into the match at all. It's so easy to do that. And I actually think she showed immense grit in that situation, did Vondrosova, to not allow that to happen, to, to dig into her own game. And what her own game does is make you beat her. 
because she's got such great racket skill and control. Whereas maybe a big hitter might just be an unforced error fest. Rondrosova isn't. And so she just trusted her own game to bring her back into it and, and actually allowed Jabur's doubt and nerves mm. to kick in and become a factor. I mean, I think it was it was a brilliant performance from Vondrosova. Absolutely first class. Um, but I, I agree with you. It is Jaber has done such an incredible job of bringing everybody in to her story, making you feel what she feels through the Netflix documentary, through all of her interviews, for her on-court stuff, through giving hugs to, to people that everybody sees, showing people that she needs them she wants them she wants to be reassured and and that it's going to be the best moment ever if she wins but frankly it's kind of one of the worst ever if she doesn't win and that ends up making her loss feel something for everybody who's witnessed it as well even though we're happy to see Vondrosova getting the moment of her life Mm. it, it is one of those it was a very mature performance from Vondrosova amazing to think that she's the 24 year old and Jabir, the 28-year-old, with more experience. I couldn't believe how level-headed Vondrosheva was today. Yeah, I completely agree. And we've we've just come out of the press conferences, which which we'll talk more about. But Ons Jabir's felt like a runners-up press conference. Oh, and it? then some. You know, it was it was heavy. It was emotional. It was mm. sad. Whereas Marketa Vondrosheva's was was so low-key, mm. and I think that contrast probably tells you a big reason about why the match went the way it did um because yeah as as david was saying vondrosheva was was pretty tight in those first few games you know we were watching the backstage scenes and she was she was jumping up and down it was and it wasn't like a rafael nadal intimidating yeah, jump but matt said those aren't the right kind of jumps <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a nervous energy jump yeah. you just needed been to be brought moving. up on alcaraz and nadal <laughs> <laughs> um but you know, I think once once Vondrosheva got through those first six games, which Jabir had game point in all of those first six, you know, she could have won all of those games. But once Vondrosheva got through it and it was more or less level, I think she started to really come into the match and, and, and play really, really well. And I think maybe Jabir, whose tennis was sort of passable for those first few games maybe felt like, oh, okay, she's starting to play now. I'm tight. I haven't taken advantage of the games and the period where she was really tight, and it just all mm. ran away from Jabir after that. But I think the I think there's a really important point about the style of play that that you've mentioned and Ons Jabir mentioned in her press conference. Von Dresheva was so different to the players that Jabir had played in her most recent matches. You know, they were hitters. And Vondrosheva is a yeah, she's a player, isn't she? She she manoeuvres the ball around the court, and she was giving Jabir time, you know, because she hits the ball that much that much slower than Rabatkina and Sabalenka. And given the the sort of chaos going on in Jabir's head, I think the last thing she what she wanted and needed was was time. You know, she had time to think, she had time to do the wrong stuff. You know, she wasn't just reacting she was having to make stuff happen and her nerves her tightness just wasn't allowing that to happen and von Drosheva so cunning and so deceptively good and mixing up the spins and the slices and moving brilliantly defending brilliantly whereas Jabir's feet were heavy and her arm was heavy and mm. it was just given the circumstances it ended up just being just being a nightmare opponent I think for on Jabir it's amazing to think that Jabir led 3-1 in both sets because it never felt like there was a moment where she was in command of this match. Now, at 3-1 in the first set, I I feared she might be. And I say that because when I watch the opening stages of women's finals, my experience of them is always coloured by my anxiety for them being decent matches because if they're not, the fact that they're best of three sets, they, they can be over quite quickly and I know what kind of commentary that induces in a lot of the, particularly the casual tennis watching public, but the non-casuals as well. And of course, the chat should be, 
women should get to play best of five sets rather than isn't women's tennis dreadful and one-sided but anyway that's a separate discussion my experience of those matches is always anxious I always want them to be toe-to-toe I don't really want to see anyone take the lead because Hmm. that increases the risk of a one-sided match so when Jabeur went 3-1 up I thought oh my goodness me this could be really one-sided for Jabeur I I just don't want that but actually taking away that um, the filter of sort of generalised anxiety about misogyny and she she never felt in command of the match. Every moment where you thought, okay, she's got this now. There was a moment, David, at the start of the second set, I think when she broke back for one all at the start of the second set, you texted, Ons is back in the room. And I punched the air. I was like, yeah, this is the moment. This is the moment she does what she did against Rabakina and Sabalenka. But it was so frail, wasn't it? And I I really thought that was going to be an important moment. She'd lost she'd lost 23 of 27 points at that period when, when Von Drosheva came from 2-4 down in the f- first set to be 1-love, 40-love 40, 40 up in the second set. But it wasn't just that Jabeur ended up winning that game and getting it back on track. It was the way she did it. She did it with some fun points. Mm. Like, I thought it was going to loosen her up. She hit this lovely backhand pass. I think there was a lob in there as well. And I thought, oh, OK, as, it, it, just as David expressed, that's the on Jabeur that, that she needs to be, that she needs to be that relaxed, I think, to get back in into the match. But it was fleeting. It, it You know, she did end up, capitalizing on that a little bit and building a small lead in that set but it never felt like the real on was there other than just for a couple of moments when she did get that initial break back mm. yeah i spent a lot of time as i'm sure you both did just looking at her body language um and trying to understand it trying to understand what's going on in her mind and I didn't attend the press conference you guys did, so you, you perhaps will be able to put a bit more explanation to this. But I was watching her at the end of the first set, and she left the court, which is sensible, but she left the court looking lost. And I'm thinking, OK, you need to reboot and come again. Uh, and she came back on, and she did have that that period of, of getting back into it, and there were a couple of fist pumps, but they were hopeful. And she looked ashen-faced to me. She looked like, I, I've frozen. I, d- I can't do it. I don't, I don't know what to do. This is all going wrong. I, I can't play. She's going to win. That, that's what it came across to me as. And I, and I thought, is there anything anybody can do in that situation for themselves, from the outside? I have no idea. And every individual is different. But she froze. The problem was what was happening in her, in her mind, I think, right? Rather than the way she was expressing it. What she was expressing was a physical manifestation of what was happening in her mind, which was utter panic. You know, what we love about Ange Jabeur is how expressive she is, how she lets us in and takes us on an emotional journey with her. Of course, it was not a good thing for her in that match that her shoulders were so deeply slumped and... She looked ashen-faced, as you said. I mean, quite often from the press seats, while it's a really good spot to watch the match from, it's it's not a great spot for reading body language and seeing expressions. Yet, I felt I knew exactly what was going on with Anjabur. I could read her like a book from there without seeing any close-ups. Of course, that's not a good thing, but it was what was going on in her head which is exactly what you described, that was the not good thing. I know there was some debate on the BBC's coverage, David, which featured Kim Clijsters, about whether she should have been faking that body language, fake positivity, do a Tiger Tim fist pump, even if you're not feeling it. Do a Kevin Kevin Anderson. Anderson. He's the one I always think of. Why does he keep coming up? (laughs) Um, But person, I mean, who am I to disagree with Kim Clijsters? Personally, I don't think that's the answer. I think Perhaps she she could have had a bit more of a poker face, been been a bit less expressive. But I don't think proactively faking how you're feeling is the answer for a player like Jabur, who is all about expression and feeling. But mm. can you? Who knows? Can you train yourself to fake it? it? In the moment, I don't see how you can. Like on the spot, if you're feeling like that, if you panic, I've had panic attacks. You don't suddenly start 
oh, I feel great, everybody. You know, you you often say to me, uh, something's yeah, you're not feeling good, are you? I can see on your face. I can tell. I don't care. You haven't got a poker face. All the rest of it. Um, and I, I think that that's probably the same with her. But what Kim was saying, and here's a player who has reached four Grand Slam finals and had all the same dreams and been just as popular as Ons Jabeur and everybody willing her to win. And she freely admits she kind of froze on all of those four occasions. And she said the hardest thing for me was to have got to those positions and not played the tennis I need to play for them to beat me. They didn't even need to. And and that really was hard for me to take. I just couldn't do it. And she said, I do feel like looking from the outside in. And, and I mean, I think she's pretty close to Ons Jabeur. She After the last two matches, she's told how Ons Jabeur would call her to the locker room just before she went out for a hug. It happened today yeah. after the match. She went to the locker room to find Ons Jabeur. Yeah, and mm. she's obviously a great support for her. But... Kim was saying, look, I think it's not just about making yourself feel better, which maybe you can't do with that, but tell the other player, tell the other player that you're not done because she's just gaining confidence right now. And there was a period when Jabir's brief resurgence came in the second set when she did start to play better. I thought that was the most impressive Vondrosova because she didn't allow it. She stood with Mm. her toe to toe. And the better it came at her, she just stood up to it. And she snuffed out that comeback, and it was blooming impressive from her. I don't, I don't know whether you can learn it, Catherine. I don't know whether you can teach yourself to to act if you're not that person. But I think that may be at least something to look into post this for Jabir. In terms of uh, Jabir's conversation with Kim Clijsters after the match, I got the sense that it was, on the one hand, a great comfort. You know, she said, you know, they hugged it out, and you know being in the company of Kim Kleisters, who's been through the same experience, must be helpful. But I think she was also keen to point out that Kleisters had lost four. And it, <laughs> it was almost like, oh, am I going to have to do this again Like before I get another one? I think there was, there she, was a sense that it could look, get worse. She yeah. didn't look ready to do it again. No, she had a face no. of, how can this get worse? Mm. And, and the other thing that we should, uh, we should mention, which for anyone who, who watched our uh, preview show to this final, which... If you didn't if watch you didn't it at the watch time, it, definitely don't, go don't back. watch it. Don't watch it now. No. We don't come out of it great. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> there are some takes that haven't aged brilliantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You can delete Turn, YouTube comments. Yeah. <laughs> turns out Martina Navratilova knew more than us about <laughs> Who'd tennis. Have thought? Who'd, Who'd have thought, thought that? Yeah. But um, something something that broke during that show, which which we talked about, was the fact that Ons Jabeur had to uh, change her outfit and stop her practice this morning because she was warming up on centre court in in all black. And, of course, if you're playing on one of the match courts here, you have to be in, in all white. And we, you know, we sort of reacted to that live on that show and we mm-hmm. felt a little bit, oh, my goodness, you know, who knows? It could be nothing, but it felt like something. And the more I thought about that, the more I felt like it was the kind of thing that, if we were looking back on this final in 10 years on an episode of Tennis Relived, we would talk about, it would be like the signs were there mm. before the match. It felt like a plot twist in a Netflix episode. Yeah. And like she said, she woke up extremely stressed this morning and just forgot about the all-white rule. And the fact that she forgot, the fact mm. that she wasn't clear in her thinking, the fact that no one in her team was clear in their thinking to tell her either, that just suggests to me that there was an awful lot of stress in that camp today and not conducive to to playing mm. your best tennis in you know the biggest match of your life for one mm. of them just on the the kim Kleisters thing i wonder how crucial that relationship could be whether it even could become formalized in some way you know andy murray getting ivan lendl on board that was very specifically about being in the situation of having lost four Grand Slam finals, yep. exactly as Ivan Lendl had done. That's true. Very, been there, done it. Get some help from somebody who has, who knows what it's like. I, I mean, she, it almost feels a little bit like she's doing that job or she's doing it informally. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could definitely imagine something like that. I think Kim genuinely cares for her and wants what's best for her, and I think she really does empathise. And, you know, 
we've been in commentary, Kim and I, a few times, and I've I've had occasion to say, be honest, Kim, when you were in a semi-final or a final, does it feel different? And she said, absolutely. You know, you go out with so many doubts that you don't have in the other rounds. And you are trying to find a way to feel like yourself. And that's what I got from Ons Jabeur today. She just didn't feel like herself. Mm-hmm. She didn't feel like the player who at the start of the tournament was talking about just enjoying herself. The, the, irony, the irony is that it was Vondrosheva today who was talking about how much she enjoyed the match. She said her first Grand Slam final in 2019, she said, I was crushed by... Ash Barty in Rabbit in her Headlights. She said she came off court that day and swore to herself if she ever got back in that situation, she would just enjoy herself. And I'm so pleased for her that she was able to do. She was like, even if I'd lost today, I would be able to say that I'd enjoyed myself. And it just felt so ironic because, of course, it's easier to say than to do. But that was Ons Jabeur's plan for this fortnight and it's what got her in this position and it just felt like in all respects she lost sight of that plan today and panicked and rushed I know she quite plays quickly through between points and I love that about her I'm so here for players that that play quickly it's one of my bugbears I don't if you know but I don't like that if I mention that (laughs) has suggested itself um but it was it was startling how quickly she was playing today at four all in the first set she lost serve and honestly I I looked down at my laptop to make a note and she'd lost sort of three points in that time it just it was was like a landslide falling away from her and again just another illustration of her not thinking Mm. clearly and Billie Jean King was in the BBC television studio after the match and she was asked what are your thoughts for Ons Jabeur right now and I'm sure she'll have more that she gives to her privately because they have a good relationship don't they but she said she needs to calm down and not go for the lines so much which was an interesting take I thought you know in a final she said aim if you want to go for a big shot aim a couple of feet inside the line don't go for the actual line Mm. yeah a uh a Taylor Swift song and piercing tennis analysis is what we aspire to be from uh, Billie Jean King there. Perfection. Um, yeah. But I I think that's a real... I hadn't thought about that, actually, in terms of Von Drosheva sort of doing on the court what Ons Jabeur's thing should be, you know. And and honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of starting to wonder now, like, what is a grass court player anymore? Because... Marketa Vondrosheva could not be more different to Elena Rabatkina last year's Wimbledon champion. You know, I just had that thought today that, you know, a lefty, righty, a big serve, not a big serve, topspin forehand, flat forehand, slice, backhand, heavy, you know, it's complete opposites. And Vondrosheva had ma- managed to make that, that game of hers really work on this surface and make it make sense. You know, now it feels like, yeah, of course you can play on grass. But... I don't think anyone really thought that she was a contender here here three weeks ago, and and that that element of being able to yeah adapt that game to a different surface that's that's what we've always felt about Ons Jabeur, and mm. yeah it's just it's so tough for her. Vondrosha were up to ten in the live rankings, fifth in the race. Yeah, there was there was a great line from John Wertheim on on Twitter. Started the tournament as the seventh best check and ending it as the tenth best in the world (laughs) what a a wild tennis country um she is gonna put us in some pickles in predictions and mixes in the future isn't she because i still think she's gonna have bad results yeah and i think she can get better on in some Mm. ways too i I think she she is the new Petra Kvitova in, in many ways. I mean, okay, different type of game, not as spectacular a ball striker, etc. But absolutely somebody who can win a title or lose in the first round and will probably do both of those quite a lot most seasons. Or or will this be the making of her? You know, mm. the, the, That's another thing we haven't considered. The last time she reached a Grand Slam final, it was only six months later that the pandemic came along and she's obviously had horrible injuries maybe there is a really consistent player in there if she's given a decent 
run of house yeah, and 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 a sort of love of being in the conversation you know we've we've heard barbara critique of her somebody who's won a grandstand title not wanting to be dismissed from the conversation wanting to be part of that well maybe van Drosova has those sort of ambitions too it i think probably this is going to take some processing for her to work out well what do i want my career to be how mm. because some players you know that is such a toll to try to be relentlessly at your best. Some players cannot do that and they need a break and they, they can come and go and they're okay with that. I, mean, I always remember somebody saying that about Fernando Vadasco when he had his run to the semi-finals of the Australian Open and he nearly beat Nadal. That's great, but are you prepared to do what Nadal does in order to maximise what you can do? And I'm not sure, and the person t- said to me, I'm not sure he's prepared to do that because it's blooming mentally exhausting um so we'll find out who marketa vandrosova is in the years to come health permitting obviously see what he's done there he's actually evaded making any kind of prediction well, about who marketa vandrosova <laughs> yeah, is going to turn out I re- to be well i really don't know i, I fine by you, me david I, i'm I, not prepared to either i i am at a loss really with her i do feel like kim kleisters gives me hope for ons jabeur because let's not forget she did win on the fifth attempt and she won comfortably in the end in the final of the US Open that she won in 2005 and then she won and won three more um after after having her first child so she is a perfect example because it was quite similar i think mm. she would get so tightly wound up she was so loved mm. and there were all these questions when are you going to do it and all the rest of it and she found a way i think it would be interesting because in a way Vondrosheva's kind of secret weapon, in a way, has been how sort of mercurial and mysterious she is. Like, I think I think she's going to actually want to try and keep that vibe. Like, I don't I don't think she's that interested in the celebrity of it all that will you know attention will invariably come with becoming Wimbledon champion. But I think she, I think she will try and as much as she can keep it on on the sort of lower end. In a way that I don't think Barbara Krejcikova's... Okay, her profile has raised quite a lot in the sport, but I don't think it's sort of Mm. really dramatically changed her life, becoming Roland Garros champion. I think think von Drosche is going to try and and do that and and remain slippery and remain sort (laughs) of tricky. I think because I think she she thrives in Mm. that environment. I I don't think she wants necessarily huge show courts right from the start of every tournament you know she'll get higher billing but i think it plays to her advantage to be underrated and be almost a bit not Mm. forgotten about but just just i don't know but whether she can maintain that after this will be a question i suppose it was a big topic of discussion at the start of the match that it was played under the roof at the time the match started there was play on all the other outdoor courts um and people were expecting, I think, play to start on centre court uh, with the roof open. A statement from the club on this. Uh, they said, we've been monitoring the weather forecast and in light of the yellow weather warning issued, we've taken the decision to close the roof on centre court and number one today. And a little further from them, they said, the weather forecast today is challenging and indicates we may see scattered showers at short notice and high winds. Given this, we have taken the decision to close the roof on centre court and number one court today to allow for the smooth progression of the matches on these courts and to avoid disruption to matches part way through. We will always take the decision we feel is in the best interest of the championships and for the benefit of our players and guests. Given the weather forecast today, we have taken the decision to close the roof on centre number one, which we believe is the best decision in light of the circumstances. And in the early stages of that final, there's a tweet from John Wertheim of the, the Tennis Channel. And he said, from what for what it's worth, from one hearsay source... He had heard that the roof is closed because of concerns that in the event of rain, the roof might not operate in 45 mile per hour winds, which is what was potentially forecast. And he said he expected the club to clarify after the match. And we did put that to the club and they said um, that was one factor as part of a series of considerations. Um, when when the match started under the roof, I... I was really doing that emoji. I was like, this seems really bizarre to me. But 
Um, I'm glad we know that about the potential for issues with the roof in in the winds that were forecast. I think actually the winds weren't quite as bad as some of the apocalyptic weather warnings were suggesting, but we were told that it was going to be bad today. Um, so I'm glad we know about that. Was it a factor in how the match played out? Could could be. Um, I would be surprised probably the way the two players were out there. Um, I just think one was playing well and one wasn't and one was handling it and one wasn't. But it, but absolutely, conditions like that can become a factor in any match, can't they? They could have really discomforted Mondrosova. Maybe, maybe she's not a wind player, for instance. Some players like it, others don't. Um, it, it is an interesting one, though, isn't it? Because as, a, as an occasion, it meant the guarantee of perfect conditions. You're indoors. There is no wind. It's nice for everybody. It's reliable. Um, it doesn't mess up TV coverage. Remember that Nadal Federer French Open match we had that was a total non-entity because the ball was flying out all over the place. On the other hand, this is billed as an outdoor tennis event where conditions are meant to be a factor, and there were matches going on all around the grounds. So, you know that the the roof elements is a mitigating factor to that. I mean, health and safety has to come first in all of those sort of situations. I suppose you might you might want to say, well, shouldn't you have a roof that works no matter what the weather? Um, but that is quite freakish here in the UK to get 45 miles an hour winds. Personally, I'm okay with shutting the roof to try to get the best occasion for the match. But then... Given that, I'd probably like to be saying and not being quite so strong on it being an outdoor event. If you're going to insist it's an outdoor event, then you probably need to be prepared to maintain those outdoor conditions maybe more than they are. Um, but I'm still glad that it got played indoors in the end because it was it was a tennis, tennis match and not potentially a freak show. Hmm. Likewise, this tennis podcast recording say, could also, have, also yeah. have been a freak yeah. show. Yeah, we've advertised ourselves <laughs> as an outdoor show. <laughs> it, it would have been a bad hair day had we recorded outside today. Trust me on that, folks. Um, so no one's prepared to stick their neck on the line about what on earth the future holds for Marquette von Drescheva other than predictions horror. Um mm. And Does, a new tattoo, which, yes, she, which she won't disclose. She, she won't disclose what that is. One for her coach. They're both getting tattoos, I think, in London tomorrow. Mm. Might be the plan. There was cat chat in the press conference, obviously. Didn't learn anything new about Frankie. I feel like I know everything yeah. there is to know about Frankie. Yeah, only that I think the cat sitter's getting stood down and mum's going over tomorrow. Mum's to, coming in, yeah. To look after Cuddles the cat. for mum. Lucky mum. <laughs> Um, does anybody want to put their neck on the line about Jabur and whether she will ever become a Grand Slam and or Wimbledon champion? Yes. She will. I would like to. Thank goodness you said that. <laughs> and uh, You're the positive one. Well, I would like to say that, and I said it exactly the same 12 months ago, that my original view of Ons Jabur will never be in the mix in my lifetime, uh, was proved wrong a year ago, regardless of the fact that she lost, because the definition of being in the mix is, would I be surprised if she won, a, won the title? Well, I, wasn't, I wouldn't have been surprised if she'd have won last year or this year, because she's that good now. She's improved, she's packaged her game, she's beaten Arena Sabalenka and Elena Rabakina, and Petra Kvitova, and Bianca Andresco from a set down. These are... Grand Slam title winning performances. It's just she didn't finish the job. Now, the best thing she can do is keep getting back in the position. And that was the most interesting thing that Kim Kleister said. You can do all the psycho psychology work you, you want off court. You can talk to anybody. You can talk to me. You can talk to all these people. But they haven't done it. She, yes, Kim Kleister has. So she's perhaps the best person to talk to. But it doesn't matter how many times you you hear what maybe you should do until you can handle it in your skin you d you don't know how to do it and the only way she's going to learn is keep putting herself in that position 
there's a question mark over whether she, how many times she'll be able to, because how many times do you beat those four in a row? But she's shown she can. I back her to get in that position again, and I back her to eventually figure out how to do it. Maybe not here, but somewhere. I, I back her. Can you say all that to her in a lift? <laughs> that, was, that would help, I think. Yeah, and an interesting point about the about the succession of great players that she beat along the way. I do wonder whether that slightly took its toll. Just it was mm. that was a that was a draining effort to have to beat so many players. You know, I think we often look at the positive side of that. You're in form. You're match. You know, you're match tough. But she'd given a lot of herself over several days. She, yeah, and if if she was not quite at her most energetic and you know, she wasn't quite as didn't have quite as much in the tank today. Combined with everything she was feeling, I think that probably that probably showed in in the performance that she gave. You don't, don't feel quite as I optimistic. I don't feel quite as optimistic. That's mm. it's a lot for her to overcome. Mm. Andy Murray, Kim Clijsters, yeah, getting closer. Definitely. Well. But I don't know if she is. She didn't getting get closer. closer today. That's the thing. Like Murray said, getting closer because that was probably the first Grand Slam final where he really felt like mm. he had put his game on the court and played well. He just he lost to at that time the one everyone considered the greatest of all time. I, I disagree. I think she's getting closer because of who she beat to get there. Last but, year she beat Tatiana Maria. This time she's <laughs> gone a bit. No, I mean, look, Tatiana Maria did brilliantly to get to the semi-finals, but she is not Arena Sabalenka or Elena Rabakina. But, but it's a it's a specific Grand Slam final problem mm. that she seems to have. It's you know she'd reached two Grand Slam finals. I don't know. I yeah. really hope so. I yeah, I think I fall closer to Matt. I'm perhaps not quite as doom and gloom, but I don't share your conviction but i'm so glad you have it mm. david i'm i'm hanging on to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i honestly i, I hope on has a david law in the room with her right now to to hype her up <laughs> maybe yeah. give it a few days <laughs> you don't you don't want to hear this nonsense about four hours after do you um shall we talk about some of the other results some of them final results some of them trophy winning results that we've had today david you have just seen well you've seen two doubles matches two doubles tournaments reached their conclusion in the last hour we had alfie hewitt and gordon reed winning a fifth men's wheelchair doubles title playing in their seventh consecutive final here they beat takito oda and takuya miki three six six love six three and you also watch Neil Skubsky and Wesley Kulhoff finally break their Grand Slam duck and beat Marcel Grenoz, Horatio Zabayos, 6-4, 6-4 on centre. Yeah, I was supposed to be commentating on that one in the second set, but the way the two matches fell, I ended up doing the whole of the, the wheelchair doubles final, which had 10,000 people watching, and it was an incredibly good, tense match. Um the Japanese pair won the first set 6-3. And then Takita Oda, who's only 17 years of age, he only turned 17 in May. He, I think he ran out of gas. Like, he had a real sort of energy drop. And uh, he'd won he'd won the single semi-final earlier today against Gordon Reed, so now faces Alfie Hewitt tomorrow. And he just sort of went to pieces, really. <laughs> and it was six love second set. They were broken for one love in the third. And then he got a second wind. And the third set was breaks of serve galore. And Reed and Hewitt just trying to haul themselves over the line and the crowd really trying to haul them over themselves. Um, and the match point was just incredibly tense. Long extended rally, moon balls going back and forth, the movement of the players to circle and get back in position for the next shot. And then the left-handed Reed throws in a drop shot, Alcaraz or Jabir style, on match point. And I'm describing this, is it going to be the one that wins them the title? And then the crowd just go up as one when it bounces three times. And because oh. um, in the wheelchair, uh, singles and doubles, it, you get two bounces. And you had this moment of me going, will they get there? Yes! And them throwing their rackets into the air at, at the same time, both players and the crowd going up as one, and it was just 
amazing. It was amazing. And Alfie Hewitt might need to keep riding that wave. Yeah. Mightn't he? Because he goes, he's got another chance at the Wimbledon singles title tomorrow. He'll take on Takito Oda, the mm. French Open champion, 17 years old, the player to beat at the moment. It's the only Grand Slam, the only singles Grand Slam missing from Alfie Hewitt's trophy cabinet, and he served for it four times oh, last year. Well, I was covering that as well last year, and it, it was so heart-wrenching. So, look, I mean, I kind of feel like Takito Oda, you're going to win about 10 of these <laughs> and more. You're only 17. Mate, you know, <laughs> let him have this one. I mean, he won't, obviously, but it would mean the world to hear it. I spoke to him in Australia when he'd they'd won the, he'd won the singles title there, and he his whole year is about this match tomorrow i mean he he did the most extraordinary off season of training and he said he had this in mind the whole time so it was that was amazing and then five minutes later you had the end of the the doubles final and very similar scenes and i guess maybe even more emotional because neil skupski and wesley Kuldoff had never won one before and i mean neil skupski was just lost for words he he his brother was in in the the box. His brother Ken, who he was doubles partner with, his elder brother, and who now co- helps to coach him. And he'd taken his family off to Ibiza on a holiday yesterday, and he was supposed there wasn't supposed to be here. And he just sort of settled them in on holiday, and then comes straight back to watch this final. And there he was in the in the box to watch it, and just seeing Neil unable to talk <laughs> when they came to him in the interview, just told you how he was feeling, and and uh, yeah, great scenes. So tough for them. That could change Neil Skubsky's life, becoming a a Wimbledon champion, being from the UK. Mm. Massive, massive deal for him. Yeah. I mean, they've already had a fantastic career on tour together for the past couple of years, but this is this is next level in terms of um, life changing achievements. Didier de Goot won her nineteenth Grand Slam title. And her fifth Wimbledon title today, she beat Yiska Griffin 6-2, 6-1. She is only 26 years old, Didier de Groot. Imagine how many she's going to win. That's fearsome stuff from her. The men's uh, quad wheelchair doubles was won by Sam Schroeder and Niels Fink. They beat Heath Davidson and Robert Shaw, 7-5, 6-love. The quad singles final will be between Heath Davidson, who beat Sam Schroeder today, 6-4, 2-6, And Davidson will play Niels Fink, who beat Donald Rampardi, 6-1, 6-love. That's a beatdown. Um, so Davidson against Vink in the quad singles final and some junior news for you Henry Searle the 17 year old Brit will play Yaroslav Demin in the boys final Demin having beaten uh, our man Darwin Blanche don't know I mean we can't really claim him can we it was a Mary Carrillo tip off <laughs> it, was a, anyway. it was a Mary Carrillo tip off via Lindsay Davenport mm. But anyway, P- pretty good tip off. Yeah, <laughs> um, he was a setup, Darwin Blanche, wasn't he? But Demine, who is nearly three years older, I think, than Darwin Blanche, came out to win. So he'll play the Brit Henry Searle in the boys' final tomorrow, and the girls' final is Clervy Ngunu, who turned seventeen on Wednesday. She'll face the Czech Nikola Bartunkova who pulled off the upset of all upsets. She beat Alina Kornaeva. In the semi-finals today, Kornaeva, who was in the Djokovician calendar slam position, having won the Australian Open title, beating Mira Andreva in that final and winning the French Open girls title as well. Mm. And a stat from Steve Fraser on Henry Searle, if he wins the boys' singles tomorrow, he'll become the first British winner of the event since Stanley Matthews, the the son of of the footballer, uh, and that was in uh, 1962 that he won. Of course, of course, Jack Draper and Liam Brody in recent years have been in in the final. So, yeah, great uh, great line there. Yeah, it's 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 good for the Brits to have Henry. I don't know anything about Henry Searle from Wolverhampton. I know mm-hmm. that. Yeah, of course, you know. I that. sort of rolled my eyes when I found out he's from Wolverhampton. There, is, there are a disproportionate <laughs> number of British male tennis players from the Birmingham area I would say yeah we're looking at one tennis players <laughs> <laughs> tennis characters people yes members of the tennis family members of the tennis oh, no. family <laughs> 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Right. <laughs> tomorrow, final day of Wimbledon. We're hoping to be back outside tomorrow, folks. We have a full... Um, singles men's singles final preview show at midday tomorrow UK time exclusively on YouTube so we will save some hashtag content for that and we'll take your questions on the live chat as well then but we have a bit of time now to to give our thoughts on world number one Carlos Alcaraz against world number two Novak Djokovic David you've had your 24 hours <laughs> I want heads on blocks please I've still got another 12 and another show. No, last so. night you said I want 24 more hours. <laughs> okay. Here I'm, we are. I am quite big on sleeping on things, you see. Because, um, well, I mean, you, that, that served me so well today, didn't we've, it? <laughs> we've got another preview show tomorrow. You, you're allowed to change your mind after a night's sleep, but I want to know how you feel right now. Okay, right here, right now, I think it's going five sets. I think it's going all the way. That, that's a half prediction. Okay. Who's going to win that fifth set? I'm really on the fence. Really? I'm really That wow. in itself is a prediction yeah. to see it that close. Because I, I give Alcaraz... You're letting him get away with that? No, no, I, no I will... I'm, I'm, opening, <laughs> I'm opening out the, the wider discussion. I will tell you. <laughs> but I think five sets, and I really do feel... I, I, I'll talk my way into one and then into the other uh, in my head. But ultimately, I would go with Djokovic's experience. Yeah, I I give Alcaraz a a decent chance, but I do see Djokovic as a firm-ish favourite. Any other surface, and I would see it differently. And I think, I said it earlier in the tournament, I see it as an 06, 07, 08 Federer-Nadal final progression. Um, I, I think it might not take three for Alcaraz. I think he could lose this one in four or five and come back next year and win it potentially against Djokovic but I think it might just be too much to do tomorrow yeah I think that's it you know pre-tournament I think I think maybe we all had an Alcaraz Djokovic final and we we all had Djokovic winning it nothing on the Djokovic side of things for me has changed Alcaraz has probably looked a bit better than I thought he would you know wins against Berrettini and Runa and Medvedev, all in extremely convincing fashion. I thought he might struggle a bit more, I suppose, to to get through to the final. But we say it, don't we, so often. How many times have we previewed a final of a Grand Slam and the person that Novak Djokovic has been playing, we've thought they're playing fantastic tennis. And then we see them play Novak Djokovic and it's like, 
oh, they can't do the things that that they've <laughs> yeah. been doing all tournaments. Since the past start of the yeah. year. Right. Alcaraz yeah. in the semi-final. Federer, yeah. numerous times. You know, <laughs> Nadal in Australia. Right. So many so times. Many times. So many times. absolutely right. absolutely just have to go with Novak Djokovic. David said it, his experience. He hasn't lost on centre court for 10 years. Um, maybe another, you know, another player who needs Andy Murray in, in their ear. If Ons Jabeur does, maybe Carlos Alcaraz does. How do you beat Novak Djokovic on centre court? With, with each of them, you don't know how well they're playing until they play one another because they have so separated from the rest of the field. And it may be that we find out tomorrow that Djokovic has separated, that there's Djokovic, Alcaraz, the rest. But until we see that, it's them completely separated from the rest. I see there being, well, on yesterday's evidence, on grass, a huge gap to the rest and maybe on other surfaces as well, although Kasper Ruud says hi. Um, I keep bringing up Kasper Ruud, I can't actually... help myself. But until we see it, we we don't know how they're playing because that's the test. I agree. Yeah. And and just on, in terms of what they ask of one another... Alcaraz, I think, is the only man who can really discomfort Djokovic with his speed, his ferocity of ground stroke, and his general talents. And I think Djokovic is the only man who can get Alcaraz off balance and wrong-foot him several times a game and make him have to do superhero moves in order to get back in rallies. Now, sometimes, usually he's doing superhero moves to finish rallies, um, I think Sinner's done a bit of that to Alcaraz. He he wrong foots him, but Djokovic is another level. So that that and that's why they're so great a a prospect because head to head is the only way you get that real challenge for them both at the moment. Kim Kleisters may or may not have won the women's invitational doubles today. Are these finals? She and Martina Hingis beat Joe Conter and Sanya Mirza. It says round robin. But she she did tell me earlier today that uh, she was doing a playing a not before five pm match, but it was going to I think follow the doubles final or maybe they oh put no it on it's court. in progress sorry yeah. my mistake Kim Kleiss's Martina Hingis currently a set up on Joe Concert and Sanya Mirza in what may or may not be some kind of final yes <laughs> um, what other we've had Cara Black and Caroline Mosniaki. I saw a, I saw a match point in that. Soon, soon to retire from Legends. And go on uh, the tour. They beat Katie O'Brien and Agnieszka Radvanska. Yeah. What a partnership. <laughs> Not what you expect. Any, any sense from one point how, how Osniaki was looking? Fit. That's all I can say. But she always looks fit. She always looks like she hasn't missed a day in the gym for the last 20 years. Um, so, I mean... No, no, fair enough. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> the Bryan brothers have won. Surprise, surprise. They beat Tommy Haas and Mark Filippoussis again in what may or may not have been a final. Francesca Schiavoni and Roberta Vinci. Jürgen Meltzer and Gilles Muller are playing here in the Legends. They beat Dom Inglot and Xavier Melis. I mean, they have had their work cut out these last few days to get these matches played any old way, haven't they? Mm. With all, They've played a load of indoor stuff and everything. Mansell Barami and Marion Bartoli beat Greg Rzeski and Conchita Martinez today. Won't read too much into that. What, what a what look! I've done my time on the Champions Tour. It's it's a wild it's a wild ride. I still think it's unfair that the Brown brothers get to play together. Talk about experience. These <laughs> half of these pairs have never met. I want to see the Bryans against one another. Yeah, yeah, fun. that's break, the fun stuff. Up. Yeah, come on, yeah. lads. One Brian with Mansell Barami. <laughs> And one Brian with Greg Rosetsky. They did always say we Make will never play against each other. But come on, boys, you've retired now. You <laughs> yeah, can. Well, it's not your choice, is it? The club decides. And they're probably thinking, well, you can't have the Brian brothers singular. You can. I agree with you. That's what the people want to see. Right. <laughs> I can't believe we've only got one more day of Wimbledon. Two more shows. One podcast. Two live YouTube shows. We'll be back at the conclusion of play tomorrow with our show as usual. And we'll have a preview show at midday on YouTube. The link for that will be on our Twitter and on our Instagram. And we'd love it if you joined us. We have our Wimbledon mascot, Erin. Hello, lovely Erin. Right, Erin. We have our mascots, David. It's got Maisie. All right, Maisie. Didn't go our way today, but... 
didn't know, go many got, people's ways. We got won over by the the emotion. Mm. I've got Xenia and Matt's got Darwin. Sad yeah. scenes for everyone. Uh, Billy Jean is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. We had to request some emergency <laughs> Billy Jean content after seeing Ons Jabeur's speech on court. Billy Jean the dog content. Billy Jean the dog content, yes, to cope with the deep, deep Ons Jabeur sadness. And okay. it, it did not disappoint. Uh, she's sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah and Drew. They are legends, all of them. And Matt, we have shout outs. We've got Celeste Byrne from Sydney, Australia. Celeste. Hi, Celeste. Sydney, home of the United Cup or one of the homes of the United Cup. Yeah. Celeste. No, I don't have any tennis names. Do you remember that mind. band called Daphne and Celeste from the early noughties? Matthew does. We're the same era. Feels like a bit of a kind of shortened version of Constant Lestien. No, it doesn't. <laughs> David just trying to get Constant Lestien into any conversation. And I've managed it. Celeste. Thanks, Hannah. Celeste is not happy with that shout out <laughs> sorry Celeste <laughs> instead of a tennis Celeste you've produced Constant Lestien come on I can, I can see the link there Celeste ain't coming back for more next year <laughs> thank you mm. Celeste very much I can I can tell that there was a Jenny Byrne who played tennis and the reason I know that is because of some King of the 90s related stuff today which I can't say too much because David hasn't answered his question yet. but uh, Subscribe to the newsletter. Yeah. yeah. It's tense. It is tense. Uh, second shout-out is for Kirsten de la Tower, who is originally from New Jersey, but now is in St. John's Wood in London. Oh, very good. We have a lot of listeners in New Jersey. We do. Bruce do is, un- Bruce do is putting the word about yeah. it. <laughs> Do we understand that phenomenon? <laughs> no. No, we love it. Yeah, no. we love like, it. Like uh, Kirsten Flipkins. Yes. Who actually who did, did actually retire, retire. this yeah. tournament? And Kim Kleisters was there <laughs> to, to pay tribute to her because <laughs> was she actually she, again. Yeah, Kim is just feel good vibes all round, mm. and she's great oh, to commentate with. Good for her. Good for her. Thank you, Kirsten. And finally, we have Rachel Engelkey from Connecticut, which is tremendous because it gives us a chance to yes correct or in fact come up with a with a tennis Rachel because we failed miserably. <laughs> when was that? Yesterday. Yes. Yesterday, I think. Mm. Yeah. And we've been told Rachel. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Quillen, who was from Australia. Who and... is a name I did know and I did think of at the time, but I didn't think she was a tennis player and I was concerned about completely humiliating myself. <laughs> so I thought I'd wait until it was confirmed. This was on the episode where David had been consumed by an umbrella. <laughs> yes, so already I had. Do. Eaten by an umbrella. Do, do, <laughs> do watch that back. <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to re-watch the show, I'd mm. definitely recommend and, that one and, rather than the preview show. Yeah, and I would also recommend Matthew, cameraman Matthew's edit of it, which is... There's a slow moment there. Which is on our Instagram. It's good stuff. Yeah. Great. It's never leaving Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> no matter how many times I try and delete it. Thank you, Rachel. I think Rachel interacts with this, doesn't she, on social media, and she seems lovely. Rachel was 
in Indian Wells mm. uh, to meet us. Oh, yeah. yes. lovely. Which was really nice. Yeah. Lovely. No yeah, pound to nice throw us under shot. the bus today no. about our meeting greets <laughs> in Indian Wells. We loved them. We loved them. They're just tiring. <laughs> now you're throwing us under the bus. I'm explaining further. Okay. <laughs> That's a humble brag, isn't it? I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired because there were so many people. Tired <laughs> from all the fans. Saw my commitments. <laughs> <laughs> right, we have one more of these to go. Well, kind of two. One more podcast. Two more live shows. We have absolutely loved them. Thank you for watching online, for listening to the pod. However, you've been enjoying this podcast. If you have been enjoying it, do hit like and subscribe on our YouTube. Do leave us an Apple Podcasts review. And subscribe to the newsletter, tell your friends. If you'd like to become a friend of the podcast, that is how you not only support the show year round to do what we do, which is weekly shows year round and daily during all the slams, but it's also how you get access to all the boco. And that, for anybody that isn't young, cool and hip like me, (laughs) is bonus content. And there is a lot of it. There's a lot coming your way next week when you're experiencing your post Wimbledon Blues, we will inundate you with Bocco. So if you'd like to become a friend of the Tennis Podcast, (laughs) if you'd like to become a friend of the Tennis Podcast, the link (laughs) to do that. Did you come up with Bocco or is that a thing? I heard it on a thing. Okay. (laughs) Now she's continuing to try to make it happen. (laughs) I'm sure I really convinced the kids of saying it. Um, What was I saying? I'm trying to do the plugs that you tell me to do, David. The link to become a friend of the pod is in our show notes and who wouldn't want to be a friend of us young, cool hipsters? Most importantly, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you tomorrow at midday and at the end of